Hi, it's Emma from the Jack FM News team, and this is a special podcast to mark Remembrance Day in Oxfordshire. Things are going to be a bit different this year. That seems to be the theme for 2020, as England is now in a second lockdown to stop the spread of COVID-19. The pandemic has seen Halloween parties scrapped, bonfire night events cancelled, and now one of the most important events of the year, Remembrance Day, is the latest to be affected by coronavirus. Our councils in Oxfordshire have been working to move celebrations online as residents are asked to remember from their homes this year. You'll hear more about what's happening locally very soon. Also in this podcast, we've got an historian speaking about Blenheim Palace's spy role during the Blitz, which, if I'm honest, I didn't actually know about previously. Music from a bugler player, and we managed to track down some personnel from RAF Bryce Nelson. But first, let's take a look back at last year's parade in Oxford. Our reporter Alex Meakin was in St Giles, along with thousands of residents. Around a thousand people are lining the streets here on a cold but bright morning in central Oxford for the Remembrance Sunday parade and service, including these guys. My son's laying a wreath on behalf of the two rifles, which he served for 25 years. I'm very proud to be here to see him do it. The father, he's dead now, God bless him, he would have loved it. We have to honour our fallen. We need to show the young people of today that they need to show respect for what's happened in the past. And I think it is a sense of occasion for them. We are here to support my daughter, support the whole area of Benson. I'm really proud to seeing her a part of this Remembrance Day parade. Military units marched up St Giles and a reflaying ceremony will take place shortly near the Westgate shopping centre. Another person who's watching the service is Martin, whose dad was in the army. We've come to honour sacrifices of the people who gave their lives in both of the wars. I get very upset when people say that we shouldn't do this and we're glorifying war. That's not what this is about. This is about the people that died so that we could live the lives we live now. Steve and Joe came down to watch their daughter in the parade and told me they're super proud. I've already shed a few tears and that's quite unusual for me, but I'm very, very proud of her today. Last year was a, a momentous year, so 100th anniversary, but obviously every year is, a, is an important act of remembrance. We still have many serving men and women representing their, you know, their country. Yeah, it's vitally important. Many gathered here this morning were talking about how glad they were to see that the weather had cleared up from yesterday's heavy rain. In a nation currently so divided politically, it's a welcome change to see so many brought here together in remembrance. was Alex Meakin in St Giles for last year's Remembrance Day. Now, if you're confused about what's happening to mark the day in Oxfordshire due to the lockdown, hopefully we can shed some light for you. Our reporter Joe Mabel has been speaking to the Lord Mayor of Oxford, Councillor Craig Simmons, about their virtual remembrance plans. It's a tragedy. It can't go ahead as an in-person event. I mean, it's it's a very busy weekend for for you know Oxford um, of commemoration of sort of welcoming visitors from around the country and around the world. I mean, for civic office holders, for the Lord Mayor. I mean, last year I welcomed you know representatives from our twin towns, from Bonn, Wroclaw, and Leiden, and of course that that can't happen. And those bonds with our twin towns across Europe are so important, and that's one of the few occasions in the when we can get together so it is it is a tragedy but we have to make the best of the circumstances we're going to sort of have representations from you know british legion royal british legion obviously a very important part of that 
we're having sort of some video recordings of, of reef layings that we'll be able to intersperse. And we'll have representations, hopefully, from some of our twin towns, and we're still collecting together those contributions at the moment. And do you think doing things this way this year is really the best thing for Oxford and for everyone? I mean, the people that would maybe normally attend ceremonies at war memorials, some of them will be a sort of older generation because many of them have sort of served in the armed forces and, and they are also some of the more vulnerable, aren't they? They are, of course, and that's the thing, you know, obviously uh, normally I'd be working um, welcoming veterans as long as sort of current servicemen and women, you know, face leaders and who we're getting lots of contributions from as well. You know, they would be at risk, you know, as would many other people of holding a, a huge event. And with sort of coronavirus levels of what they currently are, it will be very difficult to, to maintain and, and uh, stage a safe event. What do you think about the idea of people doing what we did during the peak of lockdown every week when we sort of went to our doorsteps, didn't we, on Thursdays to clap for the NHS? What do you think about doing something similar maybe with people from their homes on their doorsteps for the two-minute silence? Yes, I'm sure people, well, that's going to, to happen on the 11th. And I do think that that's uh, a part of that. And I'm sure people will um, gather on their doorsteps to mark the two-minute signs as they do in, in many years. I like to think of, you know, my relatives who, who fought in the war, none of whom are, are around at the moment, sadly, have, have passed on. Uh, but also, you know, the people who, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice and those who suffered a living hell as well as those who, who died because, you know, people of all nations and all ages, all genders, all faiths and none. And I think it's important we we keep our mind open to all the sacrifices that people made from around the world and from different points of view because, you know, we need a lasting peace uh, now more than necessary when we have to come together to fight sort of common threats which are global, like the pandemic, you know, like poverty, like climate change. And so I think, you know, the sort of peace that those people who made that sacrifice created is something we desperately need now to, to challenge and solve the problems the world faces. That was the Lord Mayor of Oxford speaking about the city's virtual plans for Remembrance Day. In Banbury, a light display of poppies has been set up on Banbury Town Hall for the occasion. And over in Bicester, the town was planning to hold a small service for invited guests, but because of the lockdown in England, the plan's been changed. A service will still be broadcast live from St Edberg's Church in the town, but no one will attend it. Instead, civic and military dignitaries will take part via Zoom. Bicester councillor Richard Mould told me it's still important for people to remember this year. A few years ago, we remembered uh, Private Clifton, who was uh, the only Bicester soldier killed in Korea. And of course, more latterly, we lost four of um, the 2-3 Pioneer Regiment uh, based in Bicester in, on duty in Afghanistan on bomb disposal work. So we, we, we have a very close relationship with uh, the garrison. And we would normally have a parade, of course, this year, that's, that's not going to happen. But we, we, we do expect people to want to pay their respects to, to the fallen. Uh, and I think, as I say, the one way they can do it is to uh, have their two-minute silence outside the front door. Very much similar to um, the way that we saluted the NHS back in the early days of the, of the pandemic. Why is it important, particularly this year? It's important to, for people to feel that there is, I think, some normality to, to, uh, to, to what's been happening. 
and that although they can't uh, physically join in with the service, that they are connected to, to remembrance. Um, and we know it's the same up and down the country. Um, the, the, the services will be different this year. And, and, and I know some areas are not having services for, for, um, for, because of their, their own uh, certain conditions. But I think it is, it is very important this year, I think, that we still continue um, um, to show uh, our respect for those that have fallen. And also, you know, it's not so long ago that we celebrated uh, VE Day. And I think it's an, an important year in, uh, in, for us to, to, to remember those that, that uh, fell in the two wars. Is there anything that you particularly think about on remembrance? Uh, yes, I do. I, I, my grandfather fought at the Somme, um, but probably one of the lucky ones, he did come home when he lived to a, a ripe old age. Uh, and relatives fought in the um, Second World War as well. Uh, so, yeah, I do think about the family connections. I also think about my time when I was mayor and you know the uh, unfortunate and untimely uh, deaths of the servicemen in Afghanistan and, and I think that it, it brings home to you um, I guess the futility of war and I've always felt that and uh, I've I felt that when very much so with our uh, German twin town and talking with them and talking with their vice mayor who has been to Bicester for a number of, uh, of years representing the town. That was Councillor Richard Mould in Bicester speaking to me about the importance of remembrance. Something that has managed to go ahead for the commemorations this year is the planting of poppy crosses at the Field of Remembrance at Westminster in London. Local members of the Royal Green Jackets Association have laid 37 crosses for fallen servicemen and women from Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire who lost their lives between the wars and since up to 1958. Terry Roper is the chair of the Oxford branch and a veteran himself. When I chatted to him earlier this week, he told me how he served in the regiment and later worked as a regimental casualty liaison officer during the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. These people, whether they wanted to or not, you know, were sent off to war and laid there in their lives for, the, their, for their country, for their regiment. And... In conflict since, you know, obviously Richard was involved in, you know, it's it's in the service of their country. And um, and I think people need to reflect on that, that, you know, war's, war's not a game. It's something which is really sometimes is the only way to solve problems. Um, soldiers don't cause wars, politicians do. Um, but, you know, sometimes there is a point where, you have to make this sacrifice. You have to go and stop tyranny like Hitler and, and people like that in history. Um, it's not to glorify war at all. You know, this, I think sometimes people, especially youngsters, may get the wrong idea when they see us old vets stood around these memorials with, it, with their medals shining in the sun, thinking we're glorifying war. We're not. We're remembering our comrades in past years that have actually died, um, you know, for us to be able to stand there in the freedom we've got. So uh, it means a lot to me to remember it. You know, it really does, you know, especially when when I was a casualty and, and um, uh, uh, a notification officer um, for, for uh, Afghanistan, for the rifles, and we were getting people killed quite regularly, you know, at one time. And 
when you have to go and tell a, a parent or, or a wife that their son or husband has been killed, um, it's not very pleasant. And it does really bring it home to you just what war means and what sacrifice is made, not only to by the soldier, but to the family as well, and what they've got to go through for the rest of their lives, remembering this. So it, it's uh, it's quite, you know, it's quite close to my heart to stand there on Remembrance Sunday, lay my head at the silence and reflect on what, what's happened. Is there any particular time when you had to go and knock on someone's door that sticks in your memory? Yes, there was once. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had to go and tell a, 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 a couple of parents that uh, their son had been shot by a sniper in Iraq. Um, and my wife and I were just preparing our Sunday lunch and my phone went, which is obviously was there all the time, you see, 24-7. My phone went, told me about this. I had to then get in the car and go off to um, somewhere near Reading. Obviously, I can't tell you where, etc. But somewhere near Reading, uh, knock on somebody's door. And, and I, I remember the husband came to the door. He saw me. I wasn't in uniform. Um, I was just in the normal clothes. Um, obviously, I had blazer and tie on. As soon as he opened the door, he just went, oh, my God. He knew. He knew that something can happen. And then, obviously, you have to tell the people. But it's it's the initial shock. It's difficult to understand how people react. Different people react, react in different ways. And the wife came straight to me and cuddled me, which she's never seen me before, you know. Um, and I came home and uh, sort of said to the wife, you know, this is really it at home because here we are preparing our Sunday dinner and I've had to go and tell somebody that their son's just been killed about an hour ago, you know. And, and then if they ask for details, I have to try and give them details in the best way I can without making it uh, worse than it is, you know. It's a, it's a difficult thing for anybody to have to do. Terry is encouraging people to stand on their doorsteps for the two-minute silence at 11am on Remembrance Sunday. The cancellation of parades and services this year because of coronavirus has affected not just the residents and veterans who can't attend them, but also those involved in them on the day, like Phil King from Whitney. He's a senior bugle major for the Army Cadet Force nationally and a volunteer instructor in Oxfordshire. He told me how this time of year would usually be very busy and why music is such an important part of remembrance. The bugle's been around for for quite a few centuries. Um, the 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 last post um, started to be used around the 17th century, um, and it was a it was a call to um, in peacetime to signal the the last um, uh, posting of the of the guard. Um, but in wartime, it was also used as a signal for those that were out fighting that couldn't get back to camp that the fighting for that day had finished and they could find safe passage back to back to back to the camp. How do you feel then passing that knowledge and being able to teach all these young people? The education of young people about remembrance is is specifically important. Um, one so that uh, so that things of the atrocities that, that happened 
you know over 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 the centuries just just don't happen again um it's also to uh, to remember uh, their their ancestors um and 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 where we are now you know for me especially the the oxford service is 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 very poignant and and when i look around i can see how diverse uh, not just the people that are watching but the people that are taking part in that parade as well including the it doesn't matter what faith or, or or your beliefs are it's it's the coming together and the togetherness of the, of that particular moment we need to need to ensure that uh, that this is carried on so that when we when we do um finally come back together then we can that we can carry on the parades and and have the attendance that uh, that we've had over the last few years i mean in oxford itself we get we get thousands of people that turn up for for the remembrance parade on the sunday and um and, and we need to need to continue that and how important is music in terms of the world well well music i mean throughout war times has uh, has been very important not just to not just to the to the men and 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 women that are, that are fought in conflicts um but also for the people at home uh, and and to get them through i mean we, we can name some names you know like vera lynn i mean the impact that her music had on on a nation to uh, to to see see it through was was absolutely amazing On to the Royal British Legion, which is behind the poppy appeal. The charity says the pandemic has impacted it significantly and the veterans it supports. A lot of the charity's work this year has been done over the phone because of coronavirus and Kevin Turbin from the charity told me that many veterans are frustrated due to missing out on big celebrations like VE Day. We've had to stop face-to-face branch meetings, um, they've stopped any sort of fundraising events that they would have done. Um, some of them had dances, tea dances, other sort of events arranged to, um, to raise money for the branches. Um, VE Day and uh, VJ Day, uh, 75, were significantly hit. Um, again, events were planned to uh, to uh, commemorate the VE Day 75 and VJ Day 75, um, even down to services at war memorials being restricted um, in numbers. Um, the Legion has obviously done everything to comply with government guidance to protect the membership uh, in this difficult time of Covid. Members are very frustrated because um, they want to remember, they want to raise funds um, and they felt very aggrieved really that they that they couldn't go out and uh, and celebrate or commemorate the events. Um, lots of parties were arranged and events were arranged and it was it was a significant impact on them. Um, I rang around some of the um, VE Day veterans on uh, VE 75 um, because they were self-isolating um, they weren't able to attend events and the branches weren't able to go and support the veterans uh, with a commemoration at all. The Royal British Legion is encouraging people to donate online or display poppies in their windows to mark Remembrance Day this year as Jess Jenkins from the fundraising team at the charity explained. 
the volunteers are amazing being out in rain or shine um always seems to be raining at the weekends over the appeal which is such a shame because that's when we're kind of at our busiest and, and have most of the um face-to-face stands out there as well as the stands this year there's lots of other ways that you can give um so you can log on to our website which is britishlegion.org.uk and you can get involved in lots of remote activities for example ordering poppies through the post for your neighbors and local communities printing a paper poppy and displaying it in your window i've seen quite a few out and about there in oxfordshire um, and they look really good they're very eye-catching The Legion's work is more vital than ever as we're supporting people from all generations who have new hardships, Um, especially now as a result of COVID-19. People that we support are struggling with social isolation, financial difficulties, unemployment, losing loved ones, um, potentially facing the threat of homelessness. So everything that's happening in society now is also affecting the people that we support. Um, and every poppy counts because every time a donation is made, that's money towards us being able to help veterans, um, serving personnel and their families as well. Over to RAF Prize Norton now, where you'll hear first from Warrant Officer Darren Cookson, who deals with all the parachute training. His team's been volunteering for the poppy appeal in Carterton, and our reporter Joe asked him whether he felt people were willing to support the Royal British Legion in different ways this year. The feedback that I've got from the guys who have been in Morrison's, the general public have been absolutely magnificent, very supportive. Uh, we've got the cashless option now, so people don't have to, you know, put coins in and touch and things like that. But uh, the online piece, I'm not really read into how that's going. It is a shame. Uh, last year I went down to the Cenotaph with 12 uh, ex-retired parachute instructors, and I was overwhelmed by the experience. Unfortunately, that's not going to be able to happen this year. Uh, so, yes, it is a shame, but hopefully people will see, uh, you know, see the need to carry on purchasing poppies and support the appeal. Darren, what would your kind of typical Remembrance Sunday look like and what's it going to look like this year? Well, normally we'd have a few personnel uh, attending parades in the local area, whether that be at Carterton or in Whitney, getting their number one uniform on and being proud to do that and and going remembering what's happened before us. Uh, We would also, and will do this year, uh, conduct a parade over in the United States where people will get together and spend time remembering what people have done before us. And as I said, the the Cenotaph Parade in in London, we would send people down to that uh, to support that. Unfortunately, this year the Cenotaph has been uh, uh, reduced massively down in London, and the local parades are are going to be minimised. So it is going to be different. There's going to be less people, uh, you know, feet on the ground, as you could say, but people will obviously be remembering where they can. I just find it a, a time to reflect on what those before us have done, uh, my great-grandfathers and those parachute jumping instructors before me that I, I read about and, and what they did. I just think, you know, that they've given us this opportunity now to to live the life that we are living. Uh, that, that's how I see it. I haven't got any direct family that I think about. However, you know, I'm just thankful and, and want to remember those that uh, have given us this opportunity. Also from Bryce Station Padre, Kevin Kaplan-Jones spoke to Joe about the plans for marking Remembrance Sunday. 
on station we're doing things differently so quite often we'll end up in a hangar with over 600 people from station um, on the 11th um, which is usually a very you know, moving um, occasion uh, whereas this year we'll have to do things very differently so I think we're going to probably play the last post and revive um, just encourage people to come out from their workplaces or their blocks or wherever they are um, and just stand on the roadside or outside their, their building for a couple of minutes of silence and um, between the, uh, the the last post and revive just as, as a way for the, the station to be able to come to a, a standstill and just stop and remember but without getting people together so uh, yeah we're as with everybody else we're having to find different ways of uh, of doing things mm, it's good that you've still found a way to market though um do you think it is a bit sad that you're not going to be able to do the usual kind of services and be involved in all the different parades that Bryce normally gets involved with. Absolutely, I think there's a lot to be said for um, again people gathering together. There's a lot um, to be said for, for gathering. You, you see it on the football terraces or wherever else. You know, people do want to gather together and, and celebrate or remember or, or stop and pause. Um, whilst we can do that virtually or just where we are, um, it is a shame people aren't together. Um, and for Bryce Norton, you know, as with most RF stations, you know, we like to be in and about. We are part of the community. We want to you know help in the community and, and be out and about so that kind of visible presence um not trying to take over but to show that actually you know we want to be serving not only the nation but also the local community i think it's a shame that we can't be doing that um but then hopefully you know a bit next year or whenever we can come back to it um not least for those who have, who have served in the past as well and who you know might not be able to get onto a military um, base or station to actually have that you know military contact for, for those who have served in the past you know veterans i think that's also you know really important Thinking back to the Second World War, my granddad was uh, on the Western Front um, during the Second World War, but thankfully came back. But having spent a, a tour at the, at the hospital in Bastion um, many years ago and been involved in far too many repatriations, you know, here um, when they came over from Lynham a number of years ago and since, you know, just thinking of all those families who, you know, have lost loved ones, you know, quite unfortunately, you know, too frequently at a young age. So uh, thinking about the families, you know, still going through that, that pain and that hurt. Warrant Officer Cookson and Squadron Leader Caplan Jones from RAF Prize Norton there. And don't forget, you can head over to the Royal British Legion website if you'd like to donate. As we've mentioned, this year has seen some big commemorations, including the 75th anniversary of VE Day when Nazi Germany surrendered. Blenheim Palace is marking the 80th anniversary of its role during the Blitz. The stately home in Oxfordshire became the headquarters of MI5 from 1940 after Wormwood Scrubs Prison was bombed. Historian Antonia Keeney says the staff who worked at Blenheim were mainly young women and they were all sworn to secrecy. They were normally very well spoken, very respectable, etc. And even at their interviews, they weren't asked, you know, if they could type or, or you know, what their qualifications were. They just wanted to know that they were honest, reputable, etc. So it's a very strange sort of job interview. And they had to sign the Official Secrets Act. What I find fascinating is if you think today of how everything is on social media and there's little or no privacy. You know, these women didn't talk about their roles at Blenheim or, in fact, you know, at Bletchley or anything like that for years and years and years. You know, so they would literally not tell their families what they were doing. They'd say they worked for the war office near Oxford, perhaps, but that was it. And it wasn't until relatively recently that they started to speak about this. Um, And in fact, if they had contravened the Official Secrets Act, they would have been imprisoned or even interned. And apparently they, they, would, um, they used to be internment camps on the Isle of Wight. So there was a, a strong possibility that you'd be 
sent off there for the rest of the war. You know, so it's a very serious thing, and they took their job very seriously. Um, so in those days, if you'd walked into Blenheim Palace, the Great Hall would have been full of filing cabinets and, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, the long library was partitioned off and there were just stacks of filing cabinets and people hurrying from A to B, looking up files, looking up information. Because whenever, you know, someone, say an officer or a, a military man was going to be sent to one post or another or, or um, a special appointment made, they would need to check up and make sure that there was nothing in his background or nothing in his past that could be held against him so that um, they could be blackmailed into becoming traitors against their country. So it's all very serious stuff. Um, and one of the jobs that the women had to do was to rebuild this database. And it was crucial. And when we, we're very lucky at Blenheim and we've got quite strong ties with people that have been here in the past. And that's part of my job, to, to find these people and talk to them. Um, and when I spoke to one of the ladies, she said, you know, without any doubt, that if Hitler had known that the registry had been destroyed, would have lost the war. You know, she had no doubt about it. And apparently Winston Churchill used to phone regularly to see how things were progressing. And um, when the registry was eventually restored and and completed he sent flowers for the ladies and chocolates for the the gentlemen that were working here um, and he did actually pay them a visit on one occasion and queen mary came and um, paid them a visit as well so it was it was all it's very hush hush but very very important work why was this the location well i think that partly and, th and this is just my my opinion um winston churchill was a cousin of the 10th Duke of Marlborough. You know, so, and he, Winston Churchill was born here. He spent a lot of his time here and he knew the capabilities of the place. Um, so I think that that was as good a reason as any, that, you know, there was this great big house in the middle of nowhere, you know, relatively safe, you know, away from London. And what he possibly didn't know was that Hitler had actually issued orders that Oxford wasn't to be bombed and neither was Blenheim Palace because at the end of the war, he wanted Blenheim for himself. You know, so it was, it turned out to be a really safe place for them. Um, the people that worked for MI5 were mostly um, billeted in Keble College in Oxford. So, and they were bussed in every day. You know, fleets of, of buses used to turn up at the, the gates. Um, and, you know, there were very strict security measures. A mass of soldiers in silhouette have gone up at Blenheim Palace to commemorate Remembrance Day. Thanks for listening to our podcast in tribute to our fallen servicemen and women. 2020 has been very difficult so far for a lot of people because of the pandemic. But now it's our time to reflect and think about the people who sacrificed their lives for our country. We will remember them.